This is Tom Shrewsbury with Reflections for the Covenant Network. How many times have we been given an assignment and we've either said or at least thought, well, there's no way I can get that done. Usually there's a sigh as we think, I'm just one person. What do they expect of me? Miracles? Or perhaps if by some superhuman effort we do manage to accomplish this monumental assignment, We've earned the reward to sit back and admire what we may have done. But we think at the same time, don't ask me to do something else. Give me a break. Well, you know these are pretty common thoughts that most of us have experienced at one time or another, which brings us back to our original statement, I'm just one person. What do they expect of me? Well, I'd like to tell you the story of a young woman who was born in the small village of Sant'Angelo in Italy many years ago. Her baptism name was Mary Frances, but probably because she was so frail and small, her family soon just called her Franny, a name that was to stick for a long time. She came from a large family, but most of her siblings died before reaching maturity, and her sister Rose had the responsibility of running the household when their mother became an invalid, and it was up to Rose to manage the entire household since their father tended to his farming chores from dawn to dusk. And since many of the brothers and sisters had died at an early age, their neighbors questioned whether little Franny would ever make it to adulthood. But she did. She attended a boarding school run by the Sisters of the Sacred Heart until she was 18, and then she returned home with a teaching certificate. And in school, she was what we might describe as, well, just an average student. When she returned home, a smallpox epidemic was rampant and totally disregarding the danger, she became a volunteer, helping those in need until she too contracted the dread disease, and through the grace of God, she made a complete recovery, which was pretty remarkable considering her fragile health. And feeling a calling to serve God, little Franny Cabrini made application to join a convent but was turned down. Later she applied to another order of sisters but her desire again was rejected. Her health, of course. Now, in a nearby village the school teacher had departed and the local priest persuaded Franny to help out for a couple of weeks. Well, Franny agreed and the couple of weeks blended into a couple of years, and she became a school teacher. Neighbors described her as quite a sight trudging through the fields as she made her way off to school, very thin with attractive curly blonde hair pulled back in a rather severe style. Her heavy shoes accentuated her thin legs as she would disappear into the distance. Franny had a deep respect for her students, and not only was she thorough in teaching them their studies, but because of how religion had become an important part of her life, because of the fascination she had developed for evangelization from her reading publications from the Society for the Propagation of the Faith, she was extra hard in her 
dedication to the students. She had developed her own dream, and that was to become a missionary to China. But that was in the future, and until that opportunity would present itself, well, she would settle for not only teaching her students well, but also teach them about God and his church. Now, in Cadonio, the little town where she lived, there was an orphanage that was started by a lady named Antonio Tundini, who was, to put it kindly, bossy and demanding in a rather unpleasant way. She was aided by two friends who just gave in to her demands rather than cross her. Now, the orphanage was called the Home of Providence, and while they fulfilled an important need, Madame Tadini was a sore thorn in the local vicar's side. The ladies had taken vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, and had donned religious garb and called themselves the Sisters of Providence. While they cared for a small number of needy orphans, they became more and more demanding and in dire need of following the actual rules of the church, the vicar knew that reform was needed. Now, the local Monsignor was well aware of the skills and accomplishments of Franny, as well as her desire to become a nun, and tried to persuade her to go and help straighten out the mess that was developing at the House of Providence. But, as little Franny explained it, she was reluctant to hide away in an orphanage. After all, she wanted to be a missionary and bring souls to God." But the good Monsignor was persuasive, and again she agreed to go for just a couple of weeks. And to make certain her authority would not be challenged by Antonio Tendini, little Franny, Mary Frances, would now be called Mother Caprini, the Mother Superior. Well, naturally, Antonio was resentful and uncooperative, but the years passed, and some time later, Mother Cabrini would discover that Antonio was siphoning off orphanage money to help a wayward scoundrel of a nephew. All of this didn't happen overnight, but Mother Cabrini was just 24 years old when she had been given the task of reforming the problems of the orphanage. Well, time passed, and now she was 30 years old. She had helped countless orphans and had taken into their community a number of sisters of faithful and enthusiastic followers. But the damage caused by Antonio was so severe that the orphanage closed, and the only reason it lasted as long as it did was because of little Franny, now happily known as Mother Cabrini. Mother Cabrini felt she had failed, but perhaps God in his infinite wisdom provided her some very important training, and while the door to that foundation was closed, she had no imagination of the magnificent door that he was opening for her. The lesson for her was, and I suppose the same for us, to learn by it, was simply, don't be discouraged move on. She was called to the, uh, to the bishop's home, who commented that he had heard of her desire to be a missionary, 
and since she now had a number of women religious for whom she had been the superior, well, he said while he had never heard of a religious order like that for women being missionaries, but so what? And he said to her, why don't you start one? So Mother Cabrini, with seven companions, headed back to Codogno to find suitable quarters, and she found a deserted, disintegrating church and monastery that would be their new home and headquarters. An architect friend was able to secure a title for Mother Cabrini and her group, and on November 10, 1880, she and her little band of sisters had a home of their own. The bishop approved the new congregation with the impressive name of the Salesian Missionaries of the Sacred Heart. Their first task was to bring into their new home orphans right off the street, and the next step was to start classes to train the young girls for the changing world of the 1880s. Mother Cabrini recognized that the world was changing, and with it came increasing opportunities for women, and she felt these young orphan women needed to be prepared to meet the challenges that the future would bring. There was a personal magnetism of this small, frail Mother Cabrini that fueled the desires of other young women to offer their lives in following her mission to help the neediest and most ignored of Christ's children. And in 1882, under her guidance, four of the sisters left Cadogno to start a similar program in the small village of Cremona, where they opened a free school for girls with religious education training them for the productive lives that they would now be able to achieve. And two years later, in 1884, she met a priest who had a parish school in Milan, but no one to run it. Well, you guessed what happened. Mother Cabrini and her sisters staffed the new school with a different twist this time. They would train their students to be teachers, so they too could earn their livelihood by training other young women. Each year, more women were sharing their faith with Mother Cabrini, and new schools kept cropping up each year, so much so that they outgrew their home base and needed larger quarters as their new mother house, which Mother Cabrini found and was able to develop. The order was growing, and Mother Cabrini wanted to open a house in Rome, but met with great opposition because there was already so many religious houses in Rome. Instead of Rome, later she was asked by a cardinal from the Vatican to open a free school for the poor in the Sabine Hills, not too far from Rome. That was in 1887, and Mother Cabrini had traveled to the area of the Sabine, and there she developed a severe fever, but kept on working, despite her frailty, her fever, and being on her feet all during the day. And finally, she found suitable quarters in the village of Aspra, and a number of sisters from the mother house in Cadonia were on their way, and soon another school and program was in operation. 
To put her accomplishments into its proper perspective, we should mention that during the past few decades, Italy had been in great political and economic turmoil that had many millions of Italians seeking better opportunities by emigrating to both North and South America, where the vast majority had not been warmly welcomed, to put it politely, and many were forced to live in the most unpleasant of situations, being deprived of good jobs, education for their children, and a serious lack of medical and social opportunities. These problems weighed heavily on her bishop, and he broached the thought that perhaps Mother Cabrini should also undertake helping these emigrants to America as part of her mission. The enormity of the problem was immediately recognized, and after all, she wanted to be a missionary, and so great would be the demands on not only her time but the resources of her order, not to mention the number of sisters that would be involved with all of this. Well, she was certain that this whole project would be the end of her dreams as a missionary to the world. But the bishop persisted and detailed the plight that her countrymen suffered. Plus, he finally added that the Archbishop of New York was pleading for help, and as a dramatic conclusion to the request, there was already a house for an orphanage just waiting for the Italian sisters to come and provide the help. The Italian emigrants were so desperately in need of. So, on March 23, 1889, Mother Cabrini and six of her sisters left and spread their wings to the United States. If you think this frail little sister in poor health had accomplished much as just one person, well, her story is only just beginning. And as we look at the life of Mother Cabrini, just remember that in these short moments we have together, we can only paint the pictures of her life in very broad brush strokes. And I'll give you a little tip for stories that are really exciting and inspirational. Read the lives of the saints and encourage young people to do the same. But getting back to Mother Cabrini, when she and her sisters arrived in New York after a voyage of eight days and having passed through immigration, it was now about 9 p.m. with a heavy rain falling and not one person present to meet them. Undoubtedly, through the grace of God and their guardian angels, they were able to make it to the mission of St. John Borromeo, only to discover that the house that was to be their orphanage was no longer available. And they were asked, but didn't you get the letter? Well, instead of the warmth of their expected new home, the sisters made their way through the slums of Little Italy, where they found a few rooms to spend the night. But undeterred, the next morning, Mother Cabrini was up bright and early to find what would be their mission house in America, and after meeting with the archbishop who suggested that she and her companions should go back to Italy, to which Mother Cabrini quickly answered, I am here to stay. Well, the archbishop found temporary lodging for the sisters, 
who appeared the following Sunday at a Catholic church where the children and adults were thrilled to hear the sisters speaking to them in their native language. And the next morning, classes began in the church building. Soon, Mother Cabrini found and arranged housing for her sisters. And Mother Cabrini founded the Asylum of the Angels, an orphanage, and immediately orphans of Italian, Irish, and other nationalities began arriving, filthy, sick, unkempt, and many with open sores, just waiting for the touch of someone who cared for them. And little Franny Cabrini and her sisters were there waiting. And yes, Mother Cabrini's work was just beginning, and the mission was to flourish. She returned to Italy to visit her houses there, where the accounts of her work were like a magnet, attracting other women who wanted to serve God's children with her. She was told of property along the Hudson in upstate New York that would make an ideal novitiate and mother house, and and through her efforts and contacts, the property known as West Park was acquired, and mother returned to America with seven new sisters. On the trip back to the United States, Mother met an aristocratic lady from Nicaragua who was so intrigued with Mother's work that she offered her a nice villa in Nicaragua where she could start a school for the well-to-do young women who needed education and religious training. There were few Italians there, but The word of God needed to be spread, and she accepted the offer that providentially would be the springboard for more missionary activities in South America. After completing the acquisition of the new property at the West Park along the Hudson, Mother returned again to Italy, and this time brought back with her 28 more sisters who had been trained at the original Mother House in Codogno. She would leave 14 at West Park, and the other 14 would travel with her to start her new work in Nicaragua. What she was to encounter was to her too horrible to imagine. The people were living as though immorality and indecency was a way of life to be tasted and enjoyed. She openly opposed their lack of virtues, and and enemies of Mother Cabrini seemed to be everywhere, but they did not stop her success. The school was opened in 1891, dedicated to the Virgin Mary, and became what was described as a pillar of the Spirit. The school lasted only four years before succumbing to another revolution, but it gave birth to other programs throughout South America. After founding the program in Nicaragua, Mother Cabrini still harbored that long-ago dream of being a foreign missionary to China that was rekindled by hearing tales of the inhabitants of the jungles, never having heard of Jesus Christ, and instead of hurrying back to the relative comfort, if it could be called that, of New York City, She wanted to see for herself and meet these pagans living in the jungles. At 42 years of age, the 
tiny nun was still as frail, fragile, and sickly as ever, and accompanied only by a Nicaraguan girl, they set out walking across the mountains and plains, a journey most men would have avoided. She met face to face with the people of the jungle and told them about this god of hers. Over mountains, through valleys, across fast-moving rivers, and aboard more than eight different river boats, Mother Cabrini and her companion kept going. Her journey lasted almost a month, and when she finally arrived at the coast for the boat to return her to New York, she was burning with a dread yellow fever. But with God's help, she recovered and headed home. She had so much to do, and illness was not on her schedule. America in the late 1890s had not yet come face-to-face with segregation and prejudices, and they weren't exclusive to African Americans. Too often Italians and the Irish were subject to the same prejudices. Mother Cabrini was horrified at the thought. And where was it at its worst? Well, it was pretty bad in New Orleans, so In the hot summer days of 1892, Mother Cabrini arrived in New Orleans at the height of prejudicial violence. The city's police chief had been murdered, and more than a dozen Italians had been rounded up and charged with the murder, even though there was not a shred of evidence against them. But they were selected only because they were Italian. The jury had to find them innocent, but mob injustice had its way. Some were taken out and hung, and their bodies were left on lampposts as a warning. And this was the New Orleans that greeted Mother Cabrini. She toured the ghettos where Italians and African Americans lived together, often in the same house. She headed back to New York for more nuns and returned to New Orleans, found a building, and set up shop. Almost immediately, the small chapel they had built could not handle the crowds. The sisters worked in the worst of all areas. The mission was alive and well and spreading the word of God and hope for the future. So it was time for Mother Cabrini to find new worlds to conquer, and she did. She returned to Rome where she met with the Pope. And during their conversation, she told him she was returning to America again with 16 sisters to be followed shortly by even more sisters. She explained that she needed the additional sisters for all of the Americas, not just the United States, but also for Argentina and Brazil, where she had learned the need was very great. The Pope told her to keep up the good work, and then he added, Work on, Mother Cabrini, work on. And work on she did. Back in the United States, she was encouraged to start a hospital that would help the indigent receive the caliber of care that they needed. Well, with this, she dug in her heels. The technical requirements were too great, the medical aspects too complicated, the doctors too expensive, and she had a million and one reasons why she should not do this. And then one night she had a dream. 
and in her dream she found herself in a room full of terribly ill people with all kinds of sicknesses and diseases. And in the dim light of that room, she saw a lovely woman going from patient to patient, attending to their needs. The woman had a familiar look to her, and as Mother Cabrini, in her dream, looked closer, she saw that the woman was none other than the Blessed Mother. The Madonna looked at Mother Cabrini and said to her, I am doing what you did not want to do. Well, Mother Cabrini dismissed this as merely a dream, but was ready for her sisters to also enter the hospital field, and her venture was named after another Italian adventurer named Christopher Columbus, and the first of a number of Columbus hospitals was started in New York City, where during its first three decades of service provided care to more than 150,000 patients. A frail young girl nicknamed Franny so many years ago was still small, sickly, and frail, but she continued her travels, starting programs that were highly successful and productive in Argentina and Brazil, as well as Panama and other locations, each with a story of her achievements more unbelievable than the next and she took time out, in addition to her work in the Americas, to start programs in England, Spain, and France, to name just a few. Other Columbus hospitals were springing up in other cities in the United States, including Chicago. She traveled the United States from coast to coast, never ceasing to do God's will, including starting additional schools in New York and other cities, such as a school for coal miners' children in Scranton, Pennsylvania. In 1905, 25 years after founding her order, there were now 50 houses for the sisters whose numbers had grown to more than a 1,000. But the years took their toll on Mother Cabrini, including her bouts with malaria, She never slowed down in her lifetime. She founded a total of 67 institutions in the United States and South America. And in 1917, she was called back to Columbus Hospital in Chicago, where the tiny, frail body that had crossed the mountains of South America on foot sailed the ocean almost too many times to count, finally wore out and her beloved spouse for whom she toiled those many years called her home on December 22, 1917 to rest before the throne of God. The nuns would later recount looking in on her in her darkened hospital room that there seemed to be a light glowing about her body. And long after her death, her order of sisters achieved her lifetime dream of being missionaries to China. She was beatified on November 13, 1938, and canonized a saint by Pope Pius XII on July 7, 1946. And the next time you hear someone say, After all, what can one person do? or I'm too tired, 
take a breath and remember. Remember a little girl once called Franny who gave us the answer. This is Tom Shrewsbury with Reflections for the Covenant Network.